Bismillah. Nahmaduhu wa nasta'inuhu wa nasta'ufiruhu. Wa na'udhu billahi min shururi anfusina wa min sayyati a'amalina. Min yahdihillahu falamudillala. Wa min yudlil falahadiyala. Wa ashadu an la ilaha illallah. Wahdahu la sharika lah. Wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. Verily the praise belongs to Allah, we praise Him, seek His assistance and forgiveness and we seek refuge in Allah from the evil of ourselves and the evil consequences of our deeds. Whoever Allah guides, there is no one that can lead him astray and whoever Allah leads astray, there is no one that can guide him. I bear witness that nothing deserves to be worshipped except Allah alone and that He has no associates or partners. And I bear witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is his slave servant and his messenger. We'd like to begin this lecture this evening with a quick review of those those uh, points which we discussed in the last lecture. Uh, starting with point number 57 in which Al-Imam Al-Tuhawi rahimahullah says in his book Al-Aqidah Al-Tuhawiyah Concerning the beliefs of the Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah, وَلَا نُكَسِّرُ أَحَدًا مِنْ أَهْلِ الْقِبْلَةِ بِذَنْبٍ مَا لَمْ يَسْتَحِلَّهُ That we do not declare anyone of the people of the Qibla, the people who face the Kaaba or the city of Mecca in their prayers, we do not declare any one of them to be disbelievers due to any sin which they have committed as long as they do not declare or to consider their sinful act to be lawful. And if anyone commits any sin, even though it is wrong to commit the sin, if they acknowledge that they are wrong for doing so and that they deserve to be punished, then no matter what that sin may be, whether it is stealing, whether it is murder, whether it is fornication, in general, the sins, whether major or minor, do not justify declaring somebody to be out of Islam. But if they commit such a sin and then say that it is lawful to do so, then they have denied and rejected and de- declared to be false that which has been revealed in the Sharia of Muhammad wasallam, the last of the Messengers of Allah, as came in the Quran and Sunnah, and by declaring that Sharia or any part of it to be false or unacceptable, they have actually uh, taking themselves out of Islam. <clears throat> also we said that this declaring the act to be lawful, it doesn't mean their commission of the act, but it means that they believe in their heart that it's lawful. Because we can say that the action of a person is an indication of what they believe. And if someone knows that Allah has prohibited drinking and they drink then their action is in a sense a declaration that drinking is lawful. They have made it lawful for themselves by doing it. But we don't mean this. We mean the one who declares it lawful by his tongue saying that in his heart he believes that it's lawful to do so, that it is not sinful. Uh, And concerning this also, we mentioned that it was the opinion or the position or the madhab of the khawarij that whoever commits a major sin, even if they admit that it's unlawful and that it's sinful and that they deserve to be punished, the commission of, an, of a sinful act of a major sin uh, forces that person out of Islam and they consider those people to be kufar or disbelievers. This was the opinion of the Khawarij and similar to their opinion was the opinion of the Mu'tazila who didn't declare them to be disbelievers, but who said that they were no longer believers. They were not disbelievers, no believers, but they were in a position or a status between these two, between Islam and Kufr. And in the end we said that the opinion of the Khawarij who said they were Kafirs, and the opinion of the Mu'tazila who said they are between these two positions, in the end their position or their opinion is the same because both of them agreed that whoever commits a major sin in the next life will be in the hellfire eternally. And this is really the status of a kafir. Because even the Muslim, the believer who might be punished for some sin that they committed in the next life, 
if they didn't repent from it or Allah didn't forgive them, they would come out of the hellfire eventually by one means or another. But no believer who testifies, who dies believing in the oneness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala would remain in the hellfire even no matter what their sins may be, they would eventually be released from the hellfire. The second point of Al-Imam Al-Tahawi, rahimahullah, point number 58, where he says concerning the belief of the Ahl Sunnah Al-Jama'ah, وَلَا نَقُولُوا لَا يَضُرُّ مَا الْإِيمَانِ ذَنْبٌ لِمَنْ عَمِلَهُ We do not say, it is not our position or our opinion or our aqidah, it is not our aqidah that the sinful acts of someone who has iman does not cause any harm to him. We say that his sinful acts in fact does cause harm to him. In fact, anyone who commits acts of disobedience to Allah, even though they have iman, even though they believe in Allah, they believe in the messengership or the Prophet of Muhammad wasallam, if they commit acts of disobedience, it causes harm to them. And this is based on the definition, which we will discuss today insha'Allah, definition of the Ahl Sunnah Al-Jama'ah of Al-Iman, that iman is not only a affirmation in the heart uh, and a confirmation on the tongue but it is also actions actions that are in, in agreement with that testimony what, that are in agreement with what you say when you said la ilaha illallah your actions have to agree with that and therefore actions being a part of iman the one who does more good deeds the iman increases by their acts of obedience and the one who does acts of disobedience their iman decreases as a result of that so we don't say that one who has iman, his iman is not affected by his actions. We say yes, his actions of disobedience or of obedience do affect his iman. It causes his iman to increase if it is acts of obedience or decrease if it is acts of disobedience. Those who have this position that one's deeds do not affect their iman, no matter what sins they commit, it has no effect on the iman if they really have belief in their heart. Those are the murji'ah. They said that actions are not a part of Iman. Their definition of Iman is that it is just يعني, affirmation without actions. The third point of Imam al-Tahawi concerning the position of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah uh, He said نَرْجُوا لِلْمُحْسِنِينَ مِنَ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ أَنْ يَعْفُوَ عَنْهُمْ وَيُدْخِلَهُمْ الْجَنَّةِ بِرَحْمَتِهِ That we hope for those who do good deeds from amongst the believers, from amongst those who testify to the oneness of Allah, we hope that those who do good deeds, that Allah will pardon them, and that Allah will cause them to enter His paradise by His rahmah, not by their good deeds, but by the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا نَأْمَنُوا عَلَيْهِمْ And we are not feeling secure for them, that they would يعني be free from their shortcomings or free from the punishment of Allah وَلَا نَشْهَدُ لَهُمْ بِالْجَنَّةِ and we do not testify or confirm or affirm with certainty that they will definitely be in the paradise any individual from amongst the believers these are concerning the muhsineen those who do good concerning those who do evil وَنَسْتَغْفِرُوا لِمُسِيئِهِمْ وَنَقَافُ عَلَيْهِمْ وَلَا نُقَنِّتُهُمْ concerning those who commit sins we seek Allah's forgiveness for them. We ask Allah's forgiveness for the wrongdoers from amongst the believers. As for those who commit sins from amongst the disbelievers, there's no benefit in asking Allah's forgiveness for them. Because after kufr, there's no need for such. And we fear for them. We fear for those who commit sins from amongst the believers. We fear for them that Allah may punish them for their sins. As Allah in His justice, when He calls everyone to account for their deeds, He might punish justly those who have committed sins and He may forgive them if He wills. We fear that Allah may punish them, but we do not give up hope for them. Yani no matter how much a person's sins may be, we see clearly that they are of the corrupt and immoral people from amongst the Muslim Ummah. And their sins may be too many to mention, but still we don't give up hope on anyone from amongst the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu As long as they died on the testimony of La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, then we don't give up hope from the mercy of Allah, as Allah says in the Quran, and yani the meaning of it is that only the disbelievers have or give up hope or lose hope or have despair of Allah's mercy. Uh, and concerning this, we also said, as Shaykh Abdulaziz ibn Baz mentioned in his commentary concerning this point, he said that in general, 
we understand that the believers, the muttaqeen, the mu'mineen, that they will be in paradise in general. But we don't say about any specific individual except those who have been mentioned specifically by name either in the text of Qur'an or in the authentic sunnah of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. As for the disbelievers, we say in general that they will be in the hellfire. The disbelievers and the hypocrites, as Allah has confirmed, that they will be in the hellfire and that the hypocrites will be in the lowest place in that hellfire. Okay, this is a summary of what we mentioned last week. And also pay attention to the questions that were mentioned uh, at the end of the uh, handout. And those questions are... Yeah, and they related directly to the discussion of these points which we covered last week. Now, okay. Today we will continue with the same general topic. And this topic actually is a very extensive topic which uh, requires some detailed explanation. As best we can, we, we will try to summarize it. But in reality it requires more lengthy discussion and alhamdulillah it has come to us recently uh, that the book of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, Kitab al-Iman, the actual book of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah, Kitab al-Iman has been translated and is available in English. Uh, so inshallah we hope that in the future that book will come here to us and that we will have a chance to read from it and discuss it in detail. Uh, at some time in the future, or at least whoever is able to get a copy of it may read from it to get the details of this topic of Iman. What is the definition of Iman and the ahkam or the rules or regulations or things related to it based on the difference of opinion amongst the Muslims concerning this definition. There was previously a book that was uh, uh, published last year entitled Kitab al-Iman but it wasn't actually the book of Shaykh al-Islam ibn Taymiyyah it was a collection of some of his sayings and sayings of other people and they put it under his name as though it was his book but alhamdulillah the actual book that was authored by ibn Taymiyyah has now been translated and published in any case the point, the first point that we want to start with this evening uh, Imam al-Tahawi rahimahullah says وَالْأَمْنُ وَالْإِيَاسُ يَنْقُلَانِ عَنْ مِلَّةِ الْإِسْلَامِ وَالصَّبِيلُ الْحَقِّ بَيْنَهُمَا لِأَهْلِ الْقِبْلَةِ الْأَمْنُ وَالْإِيَاسُ Having security or confidence concerning the end destination of anyone, of the believers, that they are surely going to be in the paradise, that they will be saved from the punishment of Allah, as well as al-iyasu, being in despair, giving up hope of anyone due to their sinful behavior or whatever. Both of these positions, the one who feels that someone, their self or anyone else is secure from the punishment of Allah, or the one that feels, who believes that their self or anyone else is definitely going to be in the punishment of Allah and the hellfire, both of these positions take someone out of Islam. Yeah, and it is not for the believer to feel secure about their self or about anyone else that they are guaranteed to escape from Allah's punishment. Nor that they are definitely going to be in the hellfire. Because Allah out of His mercy may forgive them their sins and He might not put them in the hellfire at all. This is something that is left with Allah. Can someone take these handouts and pass them out? Al-Amnu wal-Iyasu yanqulani an millatil Islam. Both of these things total confidence or loss of hope completely or despair concerning any one of the Ummah of Muhammad sallallahu take someone out of Islam to have such a belief concerning the people of the Qibla, the Ahlul Qibla, the Muslims the people who face our Qibla, the Kaaba the correct position, the way of truth is between these two yani between having total confidence or having total despair the middle course is the way of the Ahlul Qibla. Al-Shaykh Muhammad uh, Ibn Abdurrahman Al-Khumis Rahimahullah, uh, Hafizahullah, may Allah protect and preserve him, in his brief commentary concerning this point, he says briefly that verily Al-Amnu, or total security, 
from the punishment of Allah or the design of Allah or Allah's punishment or Allah's judgment whoever feels totally confident that they will escape from such as well as those who give up all hope from the mercy of Allah that these two positions take somebody out of Islam as indicated in the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Yusuf chapter 12 verse 87 إِنَّهُ لَا يَيْأَسُ مِنْ رُوحِ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمِ الْقَافِرُونَ that no one gives up hope of the mercy of Allah except the disbelieving people يعني no one gives up hope of Allah's mercy except the disbelievers that means the believer never gives up hope no matter what their position or their condition or anyone else's position or condition as long as they remained on Tawheed we'd never give up hope of Allah's mercy that Allah out of His mercy might يعني cause that person to escape from the punishment also the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-A'raf chapter 7 verse 99 فَلَا يَأْمَنْ نَكْرَ اللَّهِ إِلَّا الْقَوْمَ الْخَاسِرُونَ and no one feels secure and safe completely secure and safe from Allah's design except the people who are losers الْقَوْمَ الْخَاسِرُونَ those who are surely losers يعني meaning the disbelievers the khasirun are the disbelievers so that these two things have been attributed to the disbelievers the one who is totally confident that they will escape from Allah's punishment or Allah's judgment or their shortcomings as well as the one who gives up hope that they have no chance for Allah's mercy to save them both of these are positions that are unacceptable they are descriptions of the disbelievers then he says that the way of the people of truth is the middle course between these two positions so it is obligatory on the servant of Allah to combine or to join together al-khawf fear of Allah's judgment or ruling and al-raja' or hope of Allah's mercy for oneself as well as for others for oneself as well as others no matter what your condition may be or anyone else from amongst the Muslim Ummah condition may be we must combine these two ideas the idea of al-khawf fear from Allah's punishment and the idea of al-raja' or hope for Allah's mercy there is a lengthy discussion concerning this by al-imam ibn Abil Iz in the comprehensive extensive commentary of al-aqidah tahawiyah which I would like to يعني, mention some of what he said not all of it but it's يعني, interesting and beneficial insha'Allah Imam Ibn Abi Al-Iz says in his explanation of this point that it is obligatory on the servant of Allah to be khaifan rajiyan to be in fear as well as in hope in fear of Allah's punishment and hope of Allah's mercy for verily al-khawf the fear which is praiseworthy and true is when the per- is a fear that it is a barrier or a screen between the one who has that fear and between those things which Allah has prohibited yani when a person really has sincere truthful khawf of Allah it serves as a barrier and a protective force to keep one from disobeying that which Allah has prohibited this is the fear that a Muslim a believer should have and this fear is praiseworthy as for the hope it is the hope that a Muslim a believer should have it is the hope that the deeds which one has done in obedience to Allah in the way of Allah as, the, as indicated by the Sunnah of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when a person does such deeds of obedience that they have hope of Allah's reward they hope for Allah's reward no one is guaranteed that their deeds are accepted because deeds have two conditions it has to be done with ikhlas purely for Allah alone and it has to be done in accordance with the way of the Prophet as for doing it the way of the Prophet that's relatively easy to know what was his sunnah and to do it but as for the ikhlas the sincerity of the heart pure sincerity this is more difficult and therefore no one can be guaranteed but the believers when they do a deed of obedience to Allah they have hope that that deed was purely for Allah and in accordance with the sunnah of the Prophet and therefore they hope for Allah's reward 
as well if the believer commits a sin and they repented from it then they also have hope of Allah's forgiveness yani whatever sins that we have committed and we make sincere tawbah or repentance to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then we also have hope that Allah would grant us his forgiveness for whatever sins we have committed and here he mentions the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Al-Baqarah chapter 2 verse 218 يعني verily those who believe as well as those who make hijrah migration uh, from the land of disbelievers to the land of Islam and they make jihad fighting in the way of Allah for the sake of Allah for the cause of the up, uh, up, up, uh, establishment of the deen these are those who have hope of the mercy of Allah and Allah is forgiving merciful as for the situation if a person goes to the extreme in committing sins doing every kind of act of disobedience to Allah and then they hope for the mercy of Allah without doing any good deeds but just committing sins and hoping for Allah's mercy mercy without doing anything that would be the cause or the reason for Allah to give them his mercy then this is self-deception and false hope and false false it is, the, it is a hope that is not based on reality because Allah's mercy is achieved by the person at least feeling some sense of remorse about what they have done and trying to ask Allah for their forgiveness and trying to correct themselves and change their way but the one who has no sense of remorse and no feeling about what they have done and just continue doing sins without asking Allah's forgiveness or making any attempt for repentance and then they just say but Allah is merciful, Allah's mercy is great and Allah will just forgive me this is false hope, this is not the hope we are talking about but the hope we are talking about of Allah's mercy is the one who committed sin and they repented and tried to correct themselves then they have hope of Allah's mercy no matter how great their sins may be uh, <clears throat> then he mentions one of the scholars from amongst the early generations of the Muslims who said that Al-Khawf wa Raja, fear and hope are like the two wings of a bird but when they are balanced and even then the bird his, his flying or ability to fly will be perfect when they are balanced yeah, and when the bird both wings are working properly then he will fly, fly properly the hope and fear are similar to this yeah, and the example of hope and fear is that the person should have both hope as well as fear equally balanced together having hope of Allah's mercy and fear of Allah's punishment if any one of these two wings is defective or falls short then there will be a defect in the ability of the bird to fly and if they are lost then the bird would be yani, close to death then he mentions that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has praised the people who have al-khawf and raja who have fear and hope in his saying amman huwa qanitun ana layli sajidan are those who are in obedience to Allah during the night the whole of the night sajidan prostrating qa'iman standing in prayer and having being concerned about the next life having consciousness of the fact that we will stand before Allah for judgment and that there is a reward and a punishment in the next life are these and these are the people who have uh, who Allah praised by saying these are those who really have hope of the mercy of Allah yani those who do that which is the cause of earning Allah's mercy that they make some effort to do something that's pleasing to Allah so that Allah in His mercy might pardon or overlook their shortcomings or their sins and also the saying of Allah this is in Surah Al-Zumr that uh, first ayah in Surah Al-Zumr I don't remember which uh, number it is verse 9 uh, and in Surah Al-Sajda which I think is 32 verse 16 the saying of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala تَتَجَافَ جُنُوبُهُمْ عَلِ الْمَضَارْجِعِ that their اللَّهُ يعني this is an indication of the people who it is an expression that's used to indicate the people who stay up in the night who don't lay down and sleep but they get up in the night to pray to Allah يَدْعُونَ رَبَّهُمْ خَوْفًا وَطَمَعًا uh, Praying 
supplicating to the Lord خَوْفًا وَتَمْعًا having both fear يعني fear of Allah's punishment and tam'an يعني having desire or expectation of Allah's mercy this is also a description which shows that the people who Allah is describing or praising having the correct position or attitude of hope and fear they are those who actually do deeds which deserve or which justify or which are the cause of earning Allah's uh, mercy and earning Allah's reward okay this is part of what he said and actually the discussion is very lengthy let's uh, inshallah يعني, part of the important thing of what he said concerning this matter so here يعني, uh, we should just keep in mind that concerning this matter that there are two positions Al-Amnu uh, which is having security or confidence that one is free from or will escape from Allah's punishment or Allah's judgment uh, that this attitude is unacceptable as well as Al-Iyas يعني, having lost all hope or having or being in despair of Allah's mercy also this position is unacceptable but the correct position of the Muslims is between these two balancing يعني, hope and fear this is the position of the people of truth the Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah the next point Al-Imam Tahawi says point number 61 وَلَا يَخْرُجُ الْعَبْدُ مِنَ الْإِيمَانِ إِلَّا بِجُهُودِ مَا أَدْخَلَهُ فِيهِ that no servant of Allah believer Muslim goes out of Iman no servant of Allah is pushed out of Iman out of faith out of the يعني, circle of believers except by obvious open denial or negation of that which caused him to enter into Iman يعني, the thing that caused one to enter into Islam is the admission or confession of the Shahadatain the one who says sincerely from their heart La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah this is what caused someone to enter into Iman into Islam and here Al-Imam Tahawi says that nothing takes someone out of Iman except the open outright denial or rejection of that which caused them to enter Islam yani if someone denies the shahada of la ilaha illallah or Muhammad Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam then this is the only thing that takes one out of Islam this particular point requires some explanation it could be understood in more than one way uh, in any case let us look at it first the saying of uh, a shaykh Muhammad ibn Abdurrahman al-Khumis Allah, in his brief explanation he says that the mu'min the believer does not go out of iman except by the nullification the naqid except by something which nullifies his iman or his islam a naqid and we discussed in some lectures previously uh, the nawaqir of Islam, the nullifiers of Islam we discussed a number of them in detail in previous lectures not in this uh, class but in another course and uh, we should refer to those uh, points in which some of the most important and outstanding and most widespread nullifiers of Islam were discussed with their evidences uh, and the opinions of the scholars concerning them in detail he said that I believe it doesn't go out of Iman except by a naqid, a nullifier such as the one who rejects something of the issues of aqidah, of iman without which no one, without which one cannot be considered a believer yeah, I and mean those issues which are a necessity for one to confess or to affirm in order to be considered a believer yeah, I and mean the most obvious of them are the arkan of iman the usul of iman the belief in Allah alone or the angels or the prophets or the books or the judgment day or qadr or qada these are the most obvious of them these things if anyone denies any one of them these things are a necessity in order for a person to be considered a mu'min if, if anyone denied any one of them then this is a naqid a nullifier of their iman or of their islam so here the shaykh he yani, broadens the scope of the statement of Imam al-Tahawi Imam al-Tahawi seemed to have limited that no one goes out of Islam except by that which he entered Islam or Iman yani the shahadatain 
But here the Shaykh says, which is really the correct position of Ahl Sunnah al Jama'ah, the correct understanding of this statement of Imam Tahawi is that it's broader than just the denial of Shahadatain, but it might include any of those things which nullify one's Iman or one's Islam. Uh, any one of those nullifiers of Iman or Islam will nullify his original or initial affirmation or, or confirmation of Islam or Iman. The nullifiers in nature nullify one's Islam or Iman. This statement of Imam Tahawi was meant to be a refutation of the Khawarij who declared the disbelief of anyone who committed a major sin. Yani they said if anyone steals, that's a major sin, he's out of Islam. And Imam Tahawi intended to refute the Khawarij by saying that the believer doesn't go out of Islam except by that which he entered into Islam. Yani if he commits a sin, a major sin, this doesn't take him out of Islam. So his intention here was to refute the position of the Khawarij as well as the position of the Mu'tazila, those who said that a person is transferred or carried out of Iman by the commission of a major sin and they end up in a position between Iman and Kufr between Islam and Kufr they are between these two positions both of these groups are refuted by the statement here of Imam al-Tahawi because they said if a person commits major sin the Khawarij said he becomes a Kafir and the Mu'tazila said that he goes out of Iman he's no longer a Mu'min they didn't say he's a Kafir but they said he's no longer a Mu'min so they said he does go out of Iman uh, and out of Islam by his commission of a major sin. But in fact the correct position of Ahl Sunnah al-Jama'ah is that a Muslim who commits a sin he is considered to be a disobedient or sinful Muslim. He is considered to be disobedient or sinful until and unless he repents from that sin. And his Iman is decreased or to some extent it is nullified to some extent uh, according to the sin that he commits يعني, according to the extent or the seriousness or severity of the sin to that extent his iman is decreased to that extent only not completely and the name or the title of iman is not taken from him in totality unless all of it is removed يعني, from its root unless all of his iman is removed from its root and that is not done by the commission of a major sin because Iman it is in parts it can increase and decrease according to the amount of sins and the nature of the sins a person's Iman may decrease uh, but not by simply the commission of a sin is all of the Iman removed this is the end of the statement of uh, Sheikh Muhammad Al-Khumis and here now. <laughs> the basic principle is that in general sins whether major or minor do not remove someone from Islam do not completely nullify their Iman in general but there are some things which are called the nawaqid of Islam the nullifiers of Islam those things in fact remove someone from Islam and one of them is any of the arkan of iman the arkan of iman the usul of iman are those things that are agreed upon without any difference of opinion by the muslim ummah from the first generations until today there's no difference of opinion about, about them that if anybody denies any one of them they're out of islam of course still we still go back to the principle of takfir that we don't declare any individual to be a kafir even if they said a statement that is clear kufr until it is explained to them and made clear that what they are saying is kufr and then if they persist on that that's different then those who are who have the right to declare kufr I mean the scholars of Islam might declare such a person such an individual as being out of Islam but we only say as the scholars said in general that whoever says such and such is a kafir and whoever says there are no angels he is a kafir but if an individual came in the door and said I don't believe in angels we would not immediately declare him to be a kafir we would first explain to him and present proofs to him of the necessity
for a Muslim to believe in angels as based in the Quran and authentic Sunnah and if that person after it became clear to them that this is really required of a Muslim by Quran and Sunnah and they said I don't care I still reject it then at that point they would be declared by the scholars of Islam to be out of Islam the Nawakir of Islam requires some discussion but we are saying in general not by any major sin do we declare somebody out of Islam by major sins as did the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila but we say that a person who commits a sin is called a sinner an immoral person in Islam we don't say that they are out of Islam although there are some things certainly there are some things that take someone out of Islam but that is after the proofs have been presented and the person has been made clear for them uh, that what they are saying or what they are doing is actually one of those things that nullifies someone's Islam or nullifies someone's Iman and then they persist in it Imam Ibn Abil Iz mentions also similarly that the statement of uh, Imam Al-Tahawi here that no one goes out of, this, out of Iman except by that which entered him into Islam he said that here he is intending to refute the position of the Khawarij and the Mu'tazila uh, and this statement is also in agreement or in confirmation of the previous statement of Imam Al-Tahawi that we mentioned last week لا نكفر أحدا من أهل القبلة بذنب ما لم يستحله that we do not declare anyone out of Islam from the people of the Qibla, from the Muslims due to any sin as long as they do not declare their sinful act to be lawful and in this statement of Imam Tahawi here it is in confirmation of the previous statement which we already discussed the Shaykh Muhammad Nasruddin al-Albani Hafizahullah also commented concerning this and he mentioned the statement here of Imam Tahawi and says that the likeness of those today who like the Khawarij of the past the likeness or the example of those today are the people who are declaring the Muslims of the Islamic countries all of them without exception to be Kafirs and there are some groups today in the Muslim world who took the position of the Khawarij that whoever commits a major sin that they are Kafir whoever rules by what other than what Allah has revealed is a kafir whoever accepts that government whoever participates in it whoever works in the government that's ruling other than by the sharia as a policeman as a postman or anything in that government then they are all kafirs so in effect they have declared basically whoever is not with them all muslims and all muslim lands to be kafirs this is present in many countries I myself witnessed it in Egypt where there was a group of people not one group, more than one group, and they are very well known who said such as what I just mentioned that's all people who work in the government since the government is, is government of kuffar the ruler is a kafir since he's not ruling by the sharia and all who participate in his government in any way they're also kafirs uh, these people hold this position and they also require of their followers or their associates to separate from and to declare their innocence from all other Muslims as did the Khawarij of the past then he says Allah, may Allah guide them and may Allah forgive those who are the cause of this great deviation and this is important to mention here because the Shaykh, Shaykh al-Albani Hafizahullah yani kind of put things in perspective that even when we found these people deviating to such an extent and taking a clearly يعني, uh, deviant position from the position of the Ahl Sunnah and Jama'ah still our uh, position towards them should be a position of concern and a position of consideration and we should actually uh, pray for them and not give up on them but we should pray that Allah guide them we should ask Allah that Allah guide them perhaps Allah may open their hearts for sure inshallah for sure Allah will guide some of them as he guided so many people who were on other deviant paths and Allah brought them back to the correct way inshallah he will guide some of those uh, who has the time? I don't have my watch 7.33 Tayyip
Also concerning this point, the commentary, which is equally important, the commentary of Shaykh Abdul Aziz ibn Abdullah ibn Baz, rahimahullah. May Allah have mercy on him. In his commentary concerning this point, he says that this definition, which Imam al-Sahawi, or this statement of Imam al-Sahawi here, that no person, no Muslim goes out of Iman or out of Islam except by denying that which caused them to enter Islam and limiting the matters which may cause someone to nullify the Islam limiting it to only the denial or negation of that which caused him to enter Islam is requires some inspection and this limiting it is not really acceptable he says, yani the expression that he used, fihi nazar. This is a very polite way. Alhamdulillah, yani we are learning from our scholars how to, uh, how to discuss and how to debate and how to differ with respect for the scholars. With respect. He said that this statement, fihi nazar, that means yani it requires some inspection. We should look at it. We shouldn't just accept it immediately, but it requires some examination and investigation and discussion. For verily, the kafir enters Islam by the shahadatain. The kafir enters Islam by saying, La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. If he hadn't previously said it, and he's the person who wasn't born in the Muslim family, they enter Islam by saying Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah, Ashhadu an Muhammad Rasulullah. But if he had said it previously, yeah, somebody who was part of the Muslim Ummah but negated the Islam and went out of Islam, then they return to Islam by a tawbah, repenting from that which caused their kufr, repenting from the act that caused them to go out of Islam. And there are two ways that a person. Uh, may enter Islam, one is the one who is originally a disbeliever, they enter Islam by shahadatain, and the other one who went out of Islam due to some act of disobedience to Allah or some nullifier of Islam, then that person returns to Islam by repentance from whatever nullifier or, or naqid of the nawaqid of Islam that they have committed. Then the Shaykh rahimahullah says, this is due to the fact that a person might go out of Islam by other than simply refuting or negating or denying that which one enters Islam through it. Yeah, and some, there are other causes, many other causes by which someone may go out of Islam. The scholars have clarified such in the chapter entitled Hukum Al-Murtad. Yeah, and in the books of Fiqh, the scholars and in the books of Aqidah have discussed under this title, the ruling of the one who apostates. The apostasy. It is well known in Islam, apostasy. So the scholars discussed this and they mentioned many causes or reasons that a person might apostate due to it. Not only by denying the shahadatain. So this is, it can be found in the books of the scholars under the chapter apostasy or the ruling concerning the apostate. From amongst those things is for a person to criticize Islam, yani to deny the perfection of Islam, or to criticize the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in his prophethood, that there is some defect in his prophethood, sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Also, of those things that cause apostasy, is to make mockery of Allah subhanahu wa taala or of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or the Book of Allah Al-Qur'an if anybody makes mockery of the Qur'an and there are people who do it or make mockery of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam or anything that he brought containing the authentic Sunnah or who makes mockery of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala in any way as we found in some of the newspapers even in the Muslim lands that people make mockery of the Deen of Allah the Book of Allah the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam then this is one of the this comes under the title of apostasy and one of the causes that takes somebody out of Islam as mentioned in Surah Tawbah
chapter 9 verse 65 and 66 قُلْ أَبِاللَّهِ وَآيَاتِهِ وَرَسُولِهِ كُنْتُمْ تَسْتَهْزِئُونَ Say, Allah is ordering the Prophet ﷺ to say to those people قُلْ Say, was it Allah and His signs and His revelations and His messenger that you were making mockery of? لا تعتذروا قد كفرتم بعد إيمانكم. Don't make any excuse now. You have indeed went into kufr after you had iman. You went out of Islam by making mockery of Allah and His signs and His messenger. And actually, this topic, يعني we discussed in detail as I mentioned previously in the Nawafir of Islam. Also, of those things that nullify someone's Islam is the worship of idols. Or false gods in any shape or form or making supplication supplicating the dead seeking help from the dead seeking aid from the dead and similar yani those who have died who are considered to be saints or otherwise going to those dead people as though they have some power to help you to assist you or to protect you supplicating them instead of supplicating Allah as we know that supplication and dua is ibadah it is worship in fact in one hadith the Prophet ﷺ called yani, dua described it as being the real ibadah yani, as though dua is the only ibadah showing the importance of supplication as a form of ibadah and Allah prohibited us to supplicate anyone other than himself Therefore, whoever uh, does so supplicating other than Allah, this is an act of shirk which takes somebody out of Islam. Here the shaykh says that, uh, that this supplicating the dead or seeking help from them or aid from them, this is one of the things that nullify the person's saying La ilaha illallah. Because uh, this statement La ilaha illallah indicates that... Allah, therefore whoever worships something other than Allah, they have denied their statement of La ilaha illallah. Also, from amongst those things, not only supplication or dua, al-istighatha, seeking help when one is in distress, al-ruku, bowing to, al-sujood, prostrating to anything or anyone other than Allah, al-zab, sacrificing to other than Allah, al-nadr, making vows to other than Allah, and whatever is similar to that. Any of the acts of worship, of those things which are exclusively for Allah alone, whoever any offers those things, any act of worship to other than Allah, then this is an act of shirk, major shirk, major shirk, which takes somebody out of Islam. Uh, whoever offers such worship to the idols, to angels, to jinn, to those who are buried in the graves, whether saints or otherwise, from amongst the creatures of Allah, any type of the creatures of Allah, whether human, angel, jinn or otherwise, whoever does so, then that person has associated something as a God along with Allah and therefore they didn't confirm or affirm or establish their saying, La ilaha illallah. All of these issues or these matters take somebody out of Islam by ijma' of the scholars by ijma, consensus of the scholars and these matters are not confined to what might be understood by the statement of Imam Tahawi juhud or al-juhud bima adkhalahu fihi or juhudi ma adkhalahu fihi denial of the thing that entered someone into Islam and these issues are broad there are many issues, not only the direct denial or negation of the statement of La ilaha illallah, but any kind of denial, even indirect, that nullifies the meaning of La ilaha illallah also takes a person out of Islam. Here he ends by saying that the evidences concerning these points and other points, other nullifiers of Islam, the evidences concerning this are well known 
in the Quran as well as in the Sunnah and there are many other such nullifiers of Islam which a Muslim would go out of Islam through commission of them and uh, the scholars have mentioned them in the chapter of Al-Apostasy so whoever desires may turn back to those uh, and the points that are mentioned by the scholars concerning apostasy to see the details and the evidences of the nullifiers of Islam and the success is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, what is the time? okay it is a little early but uh, I think I cannot complete the next point I don't know if we should uh, continue or perhaps there may be some questions or points any, no questions came Naam uh, huh? The nawakir of Islam are those things The meaning of nawakir of Islam here It means Islam in its broader sense As we said previously that Islam and Iman They have a similar meaning Whenever they are mentioned separately, if you say mu'min, you also mean Muslim. And if you say Muslim, you also mean mu'min. Yani when you say he is a Muslim, you mean he believes in Allah. He has Iman. If you say he is a mu'min, you mean that he is also a Muslim. He has submitted to Allah. When any of these terms, Iman or Islam, are used alone, separately, then it includes the meaning of the other. When they are used together in the same sentence, in the same statement, in that case they might take on some exclusive meaning. In that case, Islam more specifically refers to the outward actions of Salat and Zakat and fasting and Hajj and things like this that the Muslim does. Actions of the parts of the body that you see. Whereas Iman takes on the more specific meaning of the inner matters of the heart the, yeah, the beliefs the matters of belief belief in the uh, angels and the prophets and the judgment day and the matters of the unseen and so on okay so when we say nawaqib al-islam we mean islam in the broad sense islam and iman it means that the person goes out of islam they are no longer a muslim if they are no longer a muslim for sure they are not a mu'min <laughs> If they lost their Islam, they have no Iman, for sure. If they have nullified their Islam, it means they have no Iman. Yani, Iman is higher than Islam. So when the scholars said Nawakir al-Islam, they mean, if the lower thing has been nullified, for sure the higher thing is nullified. <laughs> Naam. Here, the meaning of Iman if we say Nawaqid Iman, we mean also they have no more Islam. If they have no Iman, how can anyone be a Muslim if they don't have Iman believing in Allah? Can we say that someone still has Islam after their Iman is nullified? If they went out of Iman, that means they're into Kufr. If they went out of, out of Iman completely, they would be into Kufr. This is the uh, confusion of the Mu'tazila. They said the person went out of Iman or they went out of Islam but they didn't go into Kufr. They are in between. But we say no. They don't go out of Islam by a sin but maybe their Iman is decreased. But if someone went out of Iman completely then khalas, they are kafir. If they go out completely. There is no in between station. Either they are in Islam or out of Islam. If they are in Islam and they do wrong deeds, then that means they are sinners. Their Iman is decreased by their sins, but we don't say they are kafir. But when anyone's Islam is cancelled, or their Iman is cancelled, then they are in kufr. Yes, go ahead brother. You may ask, no, no problem, it is okay. <laughs> now. Thank you.
an apostate should be killed. But of course the, the circumstances, it depends on whether, I mean on many things. The person who apostated, uh, who was a danger to the Muslim society, for sure they would be killed. The person who apostated and they are not in the Muslim society, then they would not be pursued to be killed. But if anyone is in the Muslim society, in general, if they apostated from Islam, they should be killed. The ruling for apostasy is death. But if that person, for example, is in America, and they apostated, the Muslim government or ruler is not required to send anyone to America to kill them. But if they remained in the Muslim society, on apostasy they should be killed. And this happened even in our time, that some people have been killed, not only in the early generation of Muslims, but even in our time, some people who apostate, they apostated by such matters as denying those things which make it clear that they are, uh, that they have negated or nullified their Islam, such as a person who says that it is not obligatory to make salat, when it is known without any question by consensus of the Muslim Ummah that salat is obligatory on the Muslims. But someone says, no, it's not obligatory, you don't have to pray, or I don't have to pray. Maybe you have to pray, but I don't. Okay, either they said, they, because they reached some great height or nearness to Allah, they said, I, do, I am above the Sharia, I don't have to pray. This is kufr. That person should be killed. And it happened with one man named Mahmoud, in, uh, I don't remember his full name. It was maybe 15 or 20 years ago in the Sudan. And he had a, a group of followers who believed also as he did, and they denied the obligation of Salat, and he was called. He was called to account for his, his, his statement or his position about the, uh, يعني, the fact that Salat is not obligatory and the proofs were presented and argue, argued so that it became clear to him what is the position of the Islamic Sharia based on Quran and Sunnah and if he persisted then he should be killed and if he repented then he would be freed but he didn't repent and he was killed. But it's not for every individual to take such a position because someone makes a statement or commits an act we shouldn't take the position that the person is a kafir and they should be killed but it should be left to the Muslim authorities, to the Muslim government and to the scholars of Islam to present the proofs to that person and make clear to them and then to give them the opportunity to repent from their position or their action or their statement to give them a chance to repent from it they should be given a chance to repent and if they repented they should be let free and if they refuse to repent, then they should be punished according to the Islamic law. Well, in fact, brother, this is one of the things that uh, some of the apologists of the Muslims in modern times denied that the punishment for uh, apostasy is death. They denied it. Because it, this idea is unacceptable to the non-Muslim, Western, so-called civilized, advanced society. <coughs> but the position of Islam is that a person who entered Islam, knowing what is Islam, knowing that Islam is the truth and the way that Allah has legislated and, yeah, and been pleased with and chosen for humanity until Yawm Qiyamah, after they know such, to turn back from it, that person doesn't deserve to live. How can a person who knows Allah is their Lord, and Islam is their way, and Muhammad is the Messenger of Allah, who delivered the final revelation and the perfect way of life for humanity until Yawm Qiyamah, how can they then leave that and openly declare that that religion is false or unacceptable? That person doesn't deserve to live. How do they have a right to live in this earth that Allah created for His servants? How can they have a right to live after they knew and then they openly denied it? They are breathing the air that Allah created and drinking the water that Allah created and eating from the sustenance that Allah has brought out from the earth and they are denying the right of Allah to be worshipped. As for the kafir, the disbeliever, who didn't know the truth, the position of Islam concerning the disbeliever is different because they didn't know the truth. Then 
the position of Islam is that they should be called to Al-Islam with proofs and evidences they should be invited to Islam and if there is a Islamic state if there is a strong Islamic state then those people will be called to Islam since they didn't know the truth they have the option to accept Islam and come under, under the rule of the, of the way of, of the law of Allah or to submit to the law of Allah as zimmi as a person who pays jizya for protection of the Muslim state acknowledging that the Muslims have the right to rule according to the law of Allah that Allah, the law of Allah is the authority in the earth they acknowledge it although they themselves don't want to enter Islam then they have the right to live if they acknowledge that the law of Allah is supreme and they pay jizya in submission submitting themselves to Allah submitting themselves to the Sharia of Allah and paying tax for the protection of the Muslim state then they may be allowed to live it happened in the time of in the Muslims now in the early generation of Muslims the, the, the people of the book the Christians and Jews paid jizya and they were allowed to live they were allowed to live but if they refuse to enter Islam and they refuse to acknowledge that the law of Allah is supreme in the earth then jihad should be made against them and they should be killed as the apostate who leaves Islam should be killed the person who is originally from, a, from the kuffar, disbelievers they have the option to enter Islam they should be called to Islam they have the option to enter Islam or to submit to the authority of the law of Allah in the earth if they don't take one of these choices they should be killed they don't have the right to live either this is the real position of Islam even though the disbelievers may dislike it and even though the modernists from the Muslims are ashamed to say it this is the position of Islam uh, طيب, last question inshallah has the adhan been called? Does anyone know by the time? we didn't hear adhan but perhaps it's not yet adhan? Huh? it is time for adhan? okay can anyone call the adhan so we can hear it? after your question brother or now if anyone can go <laughs> Muslim a Muslim who refuse to obey the commands of Allah and, to ref- and, and they refuse to observe the prohibitions of Allah they don't do what they are obligated to do and they commit sins and acts of disobedience or they don't commit sins but they also don't fulfill the obligations of a Muslim they don't make salat they don't make salat okay in any case it's not the it's not the right of any individual it's not the right of you and I to punish anyone or to kill anyone but it is only our obligation to remind them to advise them to call them to what is right to command the good and forbid the wrong okay that's our obligation but more than that to punish them or to kill them it's not our right it's the right of the Islamic authorities okay as for those things about which the Muslim scholars agreed that they go out of Islam for such then in that case it should be presented to the Muslim authorities the scholars in the case of those people who are doing such to make a judgment concerning them to make a judgment as for you and I if we see someone acting very bad yeah, and if they are not committing sins they are not drinking alcohol they are not committing fornication but they are not fasting in Ramadan they are not uh, praying they are not doing good deeds then we should advise them we should remind them we should call them to fear Allah we should try to help them in any way and if that doesn't work then we should punish them by disassociating from them yani the Muslim community should separate from them make that person feel they are outside of the Muslim circle not declare them to be kafirs but yani hajr means to boycott them to separate from them to disassociate from them as the Prophet did in his time to those who, who held back who delayed from going to the battle of Tabuk 
and then uh, they were boycotted until Allah revealed uh, what He revealed concerning them. So this is the position that we should take. If we see that advising them doesn't help, then we should separate from them to make them feel that they don't يعني, have the friendship and the brotherhood of the Muslims. Perhaps they may come back from that punishment. But if we see that separating from them cause them to go further from Islam, then don't do it. Then don't do it. Boycotting is to bring them back to the correct way. But if it causes them to go further away, then go and pull them back. Don't separate from them, to leave them to go out of Islam completely. In that case, try to bring them back and try to help them in the best way that we can. Subhanakallahumma wa bihamdika, ashadu an la ilaha ila anta astaghfiruka, wa tubu ilayk. فَبِأَيِّ آلَاءِ